you're very welcome along to the gardening programme here on Midwest Radio for this Saturday morning. The final one, Porek, for the moment. At the moment, yeah, for the for the summer, but we'll be back again we'll in, be back. in we'll September. We'll be back. Just a brief break, I have to get really, a break isn't at some that stage, it? Yeah. Yes, absolutely. My own garden will need a bit of TLC now. For oh, like okay, you've committed now publicly, so there you I go. Am, <laughs> I am indeed, yeah. So, yeah, I know, but it's been a great run and, and what a year. What a a year. year. It has really been, I suppose, for all kinds of reasons, for the situation that we have found ourselves in uh, as a country and I suppose as a planet. Um, But also the weather, the way that kind of played into everything. Now, I know today is not maybe the best day to be talking about the weather, but uh, I think the gardens still need that drop of rain. We sure do. Yeah. Yeah, and it's been an exceptional 12 or 14 weeks of really, really good weather. I can't remember a spring or early summer um, as good. And, you know, because people have, I suppose, have been at home, we've, had, we've seen a, a new wave of new gardeners, particularly younger uh, cohort of, of people that have got into gardening for the first time. And, and because of the weather and because they've had the time at home, they're having a lot of success. So people are actually growing a lot of edible plants uh, this year and, and baskets and, and all sorts of things and really having a tremendous uh, success with it. So it's been a very successful gardening year. That's what I'm putting it down to. And lots to talk about. You know, I, I said last week, I, I tend to get a bit worn out at <laughs> this time of year, at the end of June, yeah. talking about, but this year has been just, uh, you know, there seemed to be something exciting to talk about every week. And yeah, and great variety. Great as variety. Yeah, sometimes I suppose week on week, we can get very similar style questions yeah. Yeah. Uh, from people, which is completely natural and understandable. But yeah, there has been definitely um, a, a larger variety, I think, yeah. in terms of what we're talking about. And a huge amount of of um, of uh, questions in each week, uh, so just a, a couple of things. Um, as you know, things are coming back to normal for Monday. Uh, yep. Uh, so just to let listeners know that the Bayleaf restaurant reopens in in Turlock in Fantastic. our garden centre. Um, so Ivan and the team, Mary and, and uh, Paul, are all back with the with the team. The Bayleaf from Monday morning of nine thirty, uh, seven days a week, back to normal working hours again. And um, they've done a great job in in making the Bayleaf, of course, uh, so safe for people. So that's something to look forward to. I'm looking forward to my first cup of coffee on Monday morning. <laughs> but you haven't had to make it yourself. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> also remember um, uh, the we're opening the garden centre as well at 10am on a Sunday morning for our elder uh, senior people in particular. Um, so the customers have been asking us for an early opening. So Sunday mornings, 10am, we normally open at 12, but we're going to, to open on a Sunday in our Turlock Centre um, from 10am. Each Sunday morning in the Bailey will be open from next Monday uh, for the seven days and Edinburgh Woolabills are back as well. Just to m- remind people, there is a blight warning this weekend. Now, w- the weather at the moment is not favourable for for the spring right? because uh, it's too wet at the moment. But I did mention this during the week. Mm. Uh, I got Jerry to mention it. There is a blight warning. Um, so if you haven't treated your potatoes or tomatoes uh, with a blight treatment, please do it on Monday morning um, because many of the sprays now are curative. So if you do get a little bit of blight, they help to cure that problem and protect as well. So do that Monday or Tuesday, we promise a little bit more dry weather. But definitely Met Aaron have issued a blight warning all of this week and particularly for the weekend. Um, so, so just bear that in mind. With the rain, Deirdre, it's ideal feeding time and I was saying to you earlier, many plants have been flowering brilliantly. This rain will kind of, um, you know, cause some of those flowers to kind of go a little bit brown and discoloured now. Um, I was looking at a a pot of Nemesia in my own garden that's been flowering in in an old plastic pot um, is there since last year, but came into flower in early May and it's still in flower in the middle of June. But I'm going to give it 
a trim now, this today. How much uh, of a trim are you going I'm to give I'm going to give a really hard trim back, take all the flowers off it, cutting it back by about 50%, giving it a feed and that's going to kick it back into growth and that plant will come back into flower in four weeks time again. So if you've got roses in full flower that may have be a little bit um, discoloured now after the rain on Monday morning, don't be afraid to deadhead plants back and when we deadhead it's a form of pruning, it's removing the old flower and a portion of the stem, cutting up to about six inches of the stem off so it's a semi-pruning and any type of pruning encourages new growth um, so you're stopping the plant from producing seed, you're encouraging it to produce new growth and when we deadhead we feed at the same time and with the drop of rain getting on uh, fertilisers in general, uh, be it rose fertilisers or liquid feeds for your plants and um, this time of year plants will be taking up that moisture and feeding them now will, will you know, the fertiliser A will get down very quickly to the plants but the plants will absorb it very fast as well. If your lawns are looking a little hungry, a little yellow maybe, mm-hmm. a good time of year as well. Lawns, you know, when you think about it, grass grows in the top four inches of soil. So it's the first plant uh, to show us drought conditions. So because grass... Cause, because, oh, because it gets the roots dry are, from, from the top down. Yeah, and the roots are so shallow. So lawns tend to, first of all, they go a little bit, kind of, they stop growing uh, and then the colour starts to fade to a pale green and then to yellow. And and we've seen that in many lawns this year, particularly with the dry weather. This rain is going to help to rectify that and, and lawns will come back brilliantly. But it is a great time of year in mid-June to feed lawns. And I would put on something like the um, Osmo Pro 1, which has got added iron. So it's a slow-release fertiliser. It'll green the lawn without forcing it and making it jump and give a lovely brilliant green colour and the iron content in it builds strength into the lawn and it also helps to prevent against moss as well. So the feeding of plants in general with this bit of wet weather, it's perfect. Um, Last Saturday after the Mm programme, I sowed some flower seed for flowering next year. So the type of plants I sowed were wallflower, sweet williams, some forget-me-nots, some winter pansies. English marigolds, calendulas, um, so anthriniums, the little snapdragons, they will germinate in, the, in another, probably another four days. Okay. So within, you know, 12 to 14 days, they germinate. They'll make strong plants that I'll plant out in August and they'll be in flower for next spring and summer. So the sowing of seed as well. If you think what's happening in nature, many plants are producing their seed now. We've got the moisture, we've got the temperatures for perfect seed growth. So it's a great time of year. If you want some new lupins for next year, or delphiniums or foxgloves or any of the plants I mentioned, this is an excellent time of year for the sowing of of seeds and, and also vegetable seeds. It's it's absolutely brilliant weather at the moment. You'll see it in your garden, the weeds. The weeds after this drop of rain are just going, going to, to flourish, they're going to they? bounce back up again. So that tells you that it's fantastic um, seeding time and also a great time of year for, for taking cuttings and plants. And finally, the other recommendation I'd have, again with the wet re- weather in mind, if listeners had any problems with leather jackets or chafter grubs or wireworm or any of those soil-borne pests, the nematodes applied now are very, very effective because the soil temperatures are really warm. There's plenty of moisture there in, in, at the moment for the nematodes to be very active. They're simple um, organic treatment for the control of soil pests and you'll get them in in garden centres at the moment. So they're sold as nematodes, you mix them in water, you apply them onto your cabbage or your carrots or onto your lawn area and they control and they naturally hunt out the uh, chafter grubs or leather jackets and and, um, the carrot root fly and and eliminate those. So they can be used at this time of year. So they're the type of things for people too. So lots and lots to be done. Still great planting weather. So if you were thinking about 
doing some planting, particularly Monday, Tuesday, after the drop of rain. It'll be excellent planting weather if you're putting in new shrubs or hydrangeas that we featured last week. Any, you know, not too late to plant roses. And I often think that midsummer, it's a great plant to go to your local garden centre and select roses because they're in flower. They're in flower. You can pick the colour yeah. that suits. You can smell the rose. Um, so it's it's an ideal time for the planting of roses. But planting in general, the soil conditions will be perfect for it. Okay, brilliant. So, whoa, lots and lots and lots of uh, things there to be at over uh, the next period. Now, a good few questions in port. Um, just going to go back there. You were talking about the nematodes, Parag. Um, somebody is wondering about uh, can the nematodes be used in bags where potatoes are growing. Is there any uh, limitation can, as to where you can no, use no, them? No, you can use them anywhere and they're totally safe to use because they're a natural or, um, occurring um, in, in soils anyway. So they're perfectly safe to use. I don't really see why the listener would need to use them in, in bags of potatoes, to be honest. Normally uh, potatoes can suffer from wireworm, but that tends to be more soil-borne. Um, so unless there's a particular pest I mean, there's no point using them just for the sake of using them. I, I, I really recommend them where you've got carrots growing out in garden soil or you've definitely got leather jackets or chafter grubs, which are soil-borne pests. They're like little maggots that affect the grass, the, the roots of the grass or each carrot plant. So unless there's a pest in the potato right. bags, and I, I fail to, to think what that could be. <laughs> now, having said that, there is a nematode for slugs as well. So if yeah. yeah, there's one specifically for slugs, which again, you do the same thing. You mix it in water, you apply it onto the foliage of the plants and they again hunt out the slugs. So unless slugs are damaging the potatoes, but um, there's no point in using the nematodes unless there's a, pe- a particular Actually, pest problem there right. already because they feed on the actual pest that's there. Okay, it's not a, so it's not pota- a, they're not a preventative measure really. No, they're they're a treatment they, as they such. They actually need, you need, the pest has to be there for them to live because they physically hunt the pest out. They, f- they f- kill it and they actually lay their eggs in it right. and they reproduce again okay. and go off hunting again. Okay, so if there's no pest there, they'll just Correct. die because they've Absolutely. got nothing to feed yeah, on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. so not, not, not no, something not that needed, you'd kind of you know, use as a preventative. In pots are fine. Keep them really well watered. Give them a little bit of feeding. Apart from that, they're probably nearly ready for use. Now, Mary has sent us in a fabulous photograph of some broccoli. I'm mm-hmm. a big fan of broccoli. Um, and this is her broccoli autumn calabrese yeah. starting to flower without forming heads. She's wondering, has it bolted beyond repair and should she pull it up and use the space for something else? No, and many plants are actually seeding at the moment. I have Swiss yeah. chard in, in pots myself and they're seeding. Um, and, and I see we have a question on spinach of a similar nature, wondering if it's it, that it's going to seed and what do we do? Yeah, and they're yeah. in the beet family as well, like, like the Swiss chard. So when we get dry, I mean, plants, you know... <laughs> The function of any plant is to produce seeds. So naturally, if when we get very dry weather, plants go to seed early uh, because simply they've stopped growing and, and the plant triggers itself from vegetative growth, from leafy growth into into flowering. And so that's it's totally normal, but not something that we wish for. Um, so where you see plants seeding, take off the flower heads, the seed head. Rhubarb often does it at this time of year when it comes under water stress as well. So remove all the flowering shoots with them. And the same would apply with this broccoli. Um, the flower spike is just coming in the centre. I would just prune that or nip it off with a sharp mm. scissors and it will re-sprout again. You'll get a, a um, sprouting right at the base from those broccoli plants because they're in fantastic condition and the dryness is just triggering them 
triggering them into flowering that little bit earlier. So remove that flowering spike, give them a liquid feed. This rain is going to help to switch them back into leafy growth. And if people are noticing uh, their spinach or their Swiss chard or uh, cabbage off, well, you know, sometimes if it gets too late, you just take them out, but um, just remove the old flower spikes, really. Stop Brilliant. them from seeding. And the person with the spinach is wondering, is it too late to sow more spinach? No, no, not at all. I mean, we're still in, in late June. It's a perfect time. You can sow the perpetual varieties or there's many different varieties of spinach available in garden centres and moment from seed. I mean, they'll germinate in two weeks. They'll be ready. Spinach grows really fast. The key thing with spinach is to keep cropping it when it's only about six or eight inches high. Get the scissors out and start cutting it back and it'll regrow within a week it's back up again. So regular trimming on spinach is very important. Fantastic. Now we have a question in um, regarding a forest flame. I think we may have answered this one previously, um, but we'll just readdress it very quickly. It's very leggy. So wondering how far back do we cut a forest flame that has kind of grown quite a bit? And this is also a question about the best time to buy new guineas. Uh, They seem very small uh, in this person's garden centre, wherever that may be. We um, Oh, well So new guineas are busy lizzies. Okay, good. I hadn't there's a variety of busy, busy lizzie. Fabulous. And busy lizzies are f- great, really. They're a bit like begonias because they're so reliable, even in wet weather. When we get a wet summer, if you plant them out, they absolutely love plenty of moisture and they flower really well. So new guineas can be planted safely out of doors now. Remember, they're going to flower up to November. So by planting them now, even as small plants, they're still going to give you a fabulous show in July, August, September, October, and indeed November. It'll be the hard frost before they die off. So they're well worth planting out now. In relation to the forest flame I would trim it back now. I normally recommend pruning forest flame back once the colour starts to change from that pinkish colour to that creamy white Um, and we can see that in the photograph. So that's normally about the beginning of June but you can still do it at this time of year and if you prune forest flame back now you can take anything up to a foot off the plant, feed it, it'll kick back into growth and it'll be a fabulous colour. You get actually get a second flush of colour. I have one in my own garden. Um, it's called Red Mill. It's a red variety. And I cut it maybe a month ago. And it's beautiful at the moment. It's back. It's as back if it's springtime. Wow, okay. It's covered in lovely red, flower, or red foliage. That's indicative of what a bit of a haircut can do exactly. for things. Exactly. Yeah. Now we're question on rhubarb. Yeah. Uh, so rhubarb is getting eaten by something and has little things like jelly on the stalks. Yeah. Um, so wondering what might be the situation. So rhubarb. The two things that affect rhubarb are slugs and snails, but also flea beetle, which is a so slugs and snails tend to attack the the uh, pink stems in particular and will rasp the the pink stems, they'll eat the edge of it and the plant itself will respond to that by producing a sap, a jelly-like substance along the sap, along the stem itself. So if it's that, it's just slugs and snails and they'll be very active now with this wet weather. Mm. So you can use the nematodes for them or you can use the organic uh, treatment, um, but a little bit of damage on rhubarb is of little, of no harm whatsoever. Um, the other thing it can be is flea beetle, which is small leaves, uh, eaten leaves, little holes in the centre of the leaves. Again, to be honest, unless it's very bad, I wouldn't bother uh, treating it. You should stop picking rhubarb anyway once we get into July. So we're coming to the time of year when you need to let the rhubarb rest and regrow for next year. Let it build itself up. So feeding it now, liquid feeding it, maybe give it a little bit of garlic liquid as well, concentrate it. But to be honest, I wouldn't bother spraying if there's a little bit of few holes in it. Right. Um, if there are slugs, you can certainly keep on top of those. But, you know, a little bit of damage in rhubarb. It's such a robust plant. Build it up for next year and it'll be perfectly fine. Okay, it's kind of coming towards the end of its, its harvesting, harvesting season. point of view, yeah. but it's important 
important that a bit like the daffodils dying back, rhubarb needs to put on some energy now. So you need to feed it, build it up for next year. Great. Mm. Um, I have a weeping bush in my garden, very long. I didn't cut it back last year. Would it be okay to cut back now or is it too early? A weeping bush? Is that a weeping willow? <laughs> it could be anything. Okay, right, I'm sorry. <laughs> so we've weeping willows, we've weeping ash. Yeah. Weeping pear is fabulous at the moment. I was admiring them during the week. Um, uh, Pyrus salicifolia. So salicifolia means willow-like leaves. It's a beautiful silver plant. So to be honest, it depends what this plant is. Okay. Uh, d- d- different times to cut back, different yeah. Uh, yeah, so maybe if we could get a photograph, photograph of what the enough. weeping bush is or what plant it is. It could be a weeping laburnum. There's so many different yeah. weeping plants. Okay, we'll turn to a question where we do have a, a photograph. Brilliant. Um, and this is a photograph of a line of outdoor geraniums. Yeah. Um, so the dark blue and purple variety. They have loads of flowers before the wind a month ago, but now gone. Wondering, do we just cut off the remains of uh, the geraniums? Yeah. Or uh, do we give a Chelsea chop at this point? Well, it, well, similar, yeah. So what I would do, so they've gone fully out of flower uh, here on the photograph at the moment. So trim back all the foliage. So give them a really good hard trim back. So remove the foliage as well. Back to a small little clump. Within a month, they'll regrow again, particularly if you feed them. And I would say you'll have flowers then in August, early September again. So geraniums have the great ability to re-flower. Um, particular varieties like um, Rosanne is a variety of geranium. These are perennial geraniums, by the way, that come back year after year. Rosanne is a sterile flower, so which means it's never pollinated. Okay. And that means that it doesn't go to seed, Mm -hmm. so therefore it stays in flower for a longer period. Others like Johnston's Blue or some of the earlier varieties of geraniums, because they set seed, they tend to, once they finish setting seed, their function is done and they stop flowering. So the variety to plant is one called Rosanne. It's a beautiful blue variety. I have it in my own garden. <clears throat> Very easy to grow, but it flowers generally up to the end of August, September, okay. simply because the flowers the are flowers. never pollinated. Right, so they just hang on there. They just were. <laughs> they're just waiting. <laughs> they're waiting, hoping. <laughs> okay, great. We also have a photograph in of a lawn, a right. lawn we treated with the regime you suggested. Right. Okay, yeah. so I think that's the the zero yeah. and uh, and Osmo, all the rest. Yeah. yeah. So I'm not sure what to do now. This is what it looks like about three weeks or four weeks post application. So you can clearly see there where moss has been treated. The, the you moss know the, is it's, dead, it's yeah. darkened up and yeah. and the moss is dead. So Eileen is wondering where, what to, what, where now, Porek? So the next step, really, continue mowing it. But continue mowing once a week and remove any of the any of the clippings, but also refeed it again. So I did mention the the Osmo Pro One. That's the feed to use now. Um, it gives it a lovely green colour and um, without forcing growth. And it's got the added iron in as well. So yeah, the lawn is coming back. It'll be fine. Give that another feed and it'll actually be, it should be really, really healthy within two weeks. Great. We have a question on gooseberry bush. I know this comes up fairly regularly. We'll give them a a quick look. Um, So leaves being eaten, what can we do about it? Well, so that's the gooseberry sawfly. Look, it's it's too late to do anything with the the horses galloped in in this instance. So um, leave the plant alone for this year. Do treat it next April in particular. April is the time to treat gooseberry. Uh, with something like Bug Clear. Okay. Mim Ilias. Not I'm bad. not Go Okay, on. thank you. Uh, clearly unsure. In a pot, very tall and battered looking now. Will I cut it back or will I replace it? Mim Ilias? Mimulus. 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 I was going to say, can't they? Yeah, yeah, no, no. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a real old cottage garden plant. 
I love this plant because it it, uh, it flowers so easily and it spreads across the ground as well. So mimulus or um, the monkey flower they call it. Um, so yeah, it's it's tattered. So it flowers generally early in late spring, kind of early summer. When we do get the typical weather we have at the moment, it tends to go out of flower. So chop it back. It's one of these great plants that you mow it right back. It'll be back up a bit like my Nemesia within four or five weeks and it'll be back in flower again. Okay. Such an easy plant to grow. Rocket has finished flowering. Can I divide roots? They're big. Well, the, this is sweet rocket, I'm assuming. So this or is, rockets. Rockets, would they be anything? Well, you've, you've also got the herb rocket. You're right, okay. Uh, but the sweet rocket, which is Hesperus, which has that beautiful sweet... The call, we call it sweet rocket because the scent in the evening time is fantastic. Okay. It's absolutely beautiful. It grows about a metre high. You can often see it going along roadways um, and we often get questions particularly. It looks a bit like phlox and people mistake it with oh, phlox. Yes, yes. Right, so it flowers in the same way. It grows to a similar height. The difference is is that Hesperus has um, four petals on the leaves and phlox have five. Uh, but but anyway, it's a really simple plant to grow. It tends to be short-lived in, in, like it's not a true perennial, it's more a biennial. So you have it for a couple of years, it self-seeds and comes back up again from those seeds. So it tends to die out. You know, it's not a long-lived plant, um, two to three years, and then it needs to be replaced. So my advice really is to sow it fresh from seed every year. It's, so, it's such an easy plant. And this is actually the time of year to sow Hesperus our sweet rocket in the garden. It'll be available in garden centres and seed. You chuck it onto the soil. It'll germinate within a month or six weeks and it'll be in flower next spring. And the scent is fantastic. So the, the botanical name is Latin. It's called Hesperus, which means evening. Evening? Because of the evening scent. Okay. It's got this fabulous scent, a bit like night scented stock. It's got this beautiful scent at, at, uh, at night time. So that's Hesperus. So uh, rather than dividing it... Um, yeah, you can divide the plants and, and spread them out, but also you can sow it from seed. And you can collect seed from the plant itself in mid-July. It'll have this the little seed be forming on it. Super. Now, uh, I think we were going to talk a little bit about climbers, and I see a question in on a jasmine creeper. Is it okay uh, to grow in a very large pot in a courtyard setting? Yeah, it's it's fine. Um, just, you know, the, it, the size of the pot is important because that's going to determine how tall and how vigorous the jasmine will grow. They are a vigorous plant. Um, there's two different varieties. There's um, the, the summer flowering, the white variety, which is more, you know, typical and quite vigorous. And you've got the winter flowering variety called nudiflora which is a, a far less vigorous and would require a smaller pot. But yeah, perfectly fine. If it's a white one, then certainly grow it in a nice big pot, feed it well, give it some support because it needs trellis or it needs something and away and south facing, preferably somewhere sunny. Okay, and this is a good time in general for climbers. It's a great time to plant climbers. So clematis varieties can be planted now. Honeysuckle, of course, climbing roses. It's a super time to plant climbing roses as well. So soil conditions are perfect. Or if you just want to cover a wall with ivies or Virginia creeper, then June, late June, particularly when we get the moisture we're having at the moment, is a super time to plant. Ideally, they should be planted in the soil. They're better in the ground than right. in pots because the pot, you know, it limits the amount of space that the plant can spread. Mm. So ideally, get them into the soil and do spend a bit of time preparing the soil well so dig a large hole put plenty of compost or organic matter into the hole and and plant them in and spread climbers generally about a meter apart okay 
Uh, now we have uh, Brussels sprouts. Um, they're set, uh, but they, the listener here thinks that they might be too near each other and okay. wondering should they thin them out. So uh, it's, uh, we have no picture and, then we, and we don't have uh, dimensions there. So what's yeah. the what's the ideal spacing for Brussels so the, sprouts? The ideal spacing is 18 inches to 2 feet because they are going to grow a metre high and uh, you know they're going to certainly spread to about a foot in diameter. So ideally 18 inches to 2 feet is the correct spacing. Yeah, I'd give it a go to just transplant every second one. If you lift them now, particularly Monday, Tuesday after the wet weather, the plants will have taken up plenty of moisture. They should transplant fine for you. Generally, brassicas do. Okay, uh, Vincent has uh, uh, now there's a couple of questions in here, so we'll pick out one or two of them. Some we may have answered already, particularly the one on the spinach. Um, mm. So we have a little cherry plant mm. and I, it's produced eight fruit, so I'm presuming this is the cherry fruit we're talking about now here. No, no it's not. Then I'm <laughs> I'm not at the races at all today. Um, okay, well, well, you can tell us what on, it is. Going, Wondering, so a little cherry plant, <laughs> not the cherry fruit. I've produced eight fruits already. What can I do with it now? It's inside a glass door. Can I set it out? Okay, so this is, well, what I'm assuming here is that this is the little ornamental indoor cherry plant. Okay. You often see it at Christmas ah. time. Um, with those, so the, the little berries start are green and then they change that lovely orange reddish colour. We call it the cherry plant because it looks like little cherries, like cherry tomatoes on the plant. Um, it is an indoor plant. It will survive out of doors for the summer. Right. So by all means, you can put it out for the summer in a nice pot in a sunny area. It'll continue to produce flowers and ber- set berries and then take it in in the winter because it is frost sensitive. Um, it's related actually to, it's in the Solanaceae family. So it's related to tomatoes uh, of all things. Um, so uh, and and potatoes it's actually related to both of those so yeah put it out for the summer take it in by September liquid feed it with a tomato feed it'll produce lots of flowers lots of fruit but do protect it for the winter time okay glass door is 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 the ideal spot for it yeah right Um, so also here we have tops of onions are withered and they're being watered daily during the dry spell and if you were to clean off ground so cabbage what weed killer would you use Um, so Vincent if you were to clear off an area I I would use the weed free 360 so that's and you need a dry day to do that Um, it generally takes about a week to work and then you rake the soil and sow your cabbage seed in and that won't have any residual effect on the seed going in and it's a great time of year uh, and good conditions for sowing the seed. Okay, great. And the onions withered and watered daily. Yeah, but it, you know, if, if if they've withered already, there's nothing really you can do now. Um, and again, onions are one of those plants that, in very warm weather period, like we had a dry period, they run to seed very um, very easily. And once they do that, really, that's it. They stop growing. Okay. Now, Breege has a question about nasturtiums. Yes. Um, so we have nasturtiums with a lot of foliage but no flowers. What's happening? Well, no, nothing really. In, in that. Is it a bit early? <laughs> well, it's not. Yeah, well, it's a little. It's a tad early. They are in flower at the moment, but it, but the main thing with nasturtium is they need hardship. So stop watering them, stop feeding them, and um, kind of get them planted outside. They need uh, hardship is really what nasturtiums need. If you're overfeeding them or overwatering them, you get masses of leaves at the expense of flower. So they they need. Uh, it's exactly why the the onions are flowering at the moment because they're they're dry, the, the weather's been so warm and, and they just come into flower. If you're feeding and washing nasturtiums too much you get lots of leaves. So so just cut back on both of those and just let them come into flower naturally themselves. Okay, great. And they will flower and there's plenty of time yet. I mean, you know, I keep saying we're, we're only in June. We're only in June. <laughs> so there's plenty of time and nasturtiums will bloom up to November as well so there's lots of time yet. Okay. Could we talk a little bit about the care of orchids? 
Yeah, we can. So there's, a, I suppose, there's different varieties. There's outdoor orchids, believe it or not, and they're in flower at the moment. The wild orchid, um, which is which is blooming at the moment, um, and we and but generally people buy cymbidium orchids um, is the most common orchid that, that's used uh, indoors. They are what we call epiphytes. They generally live in trees, in moss, in, in kind of loose type of compost and it's important when you're repotting orchids to get an orchid compost. Don't use your traditional uh, garden centre multi-purpose compost. That's not suitable. So it needs to be a specific orchid compost and that's critically important and there is a specific feed for orchids as well. Um, and this is the time of year we feed them to build them up for for flowering uh, in in autumn or winter or next spring depending on what variety you have so typically you keep them indoors in a semi-shaded area you repot them every two years you wash them at this time of year about once a month so they don't require too heavy a watering and as I say repot them every two years feed them about once a month and um, and that's it really they're very easy to grow and so the cymbidiums are those quite ornamental looking yeah, I always think they're quite oriental looking actually you know they have the, the, the flowers come on the on, on the, a long on stem, long yeah, stem. And the cymbidiums tend to be kind of quite tall they're a taller variety mm. uh, of orchids there are shorter varieties as well so it depends on, on which particular one the listener has but they actually have a reputation for being uh, difficult to grow but they're, if anything they're they thrive on a little bit of neglect. You know, as I say, watering once a month um, or, or feeding once a month, I should say. Watering depending on where the location you have and the size of pot. But again, about once a month and repotting every two years. They're actually quite a simple plant to grow. Okay. We um, tend to over, over overdo, overwash them, overfeed them, uh, put them into the wrong compost and then they, they tend to die out. Because they flower, can flower for a very long time, for I think. For months. Yeah. For months. I had one so where somebody had just given it as a gift, a small one. Um, and it had gone out of flower and it came back into no, now can I just tell you no care here at all uh, <laughs> it came back into flower uh, last October it produced these two fantastic yeah. uh, sort of stems of flowers there must have been 30 flowers on yeah. it there's still a couple left on it it's since, last, uh, since October. last October yeah. it has just and believe me it still has gotten very little <laughs> care even in flower now I have given it a drop of water occasionally yeah. but I, I'm, I think it's, I was amazed at it. And that's the way to treat them. So they say they don't need this kind of regular um, mothering or care that many indoor plants need. So a little bit of neglect. And even if you neglect them to the extent that they're kind of nearly falling apart, if you repot them and give them, you know, a little bit of feed, you bring them back together again. So they're, they're such an easy plant to grow. Yeah, and they're very, very decorative. And they're fabulous yeah. when they're in flower. And as you say, they flower for months. Okay. Um, my mother has this tree in her garden for the last 20 years and it always looked great. However, this year it doesn't look quite so well. And that's from Mary, who's in Swinford. Mm, it's um, quite, it's, yeah, it's quite bare in, in leaf. It looks to me like a willow. Now, the, the picture is taken from a distance, so it's hard to get up close to the... Um, to the foliage but it looks like a weeping willow you can see the grafted portion on it and willows are a plant that need plenty of moisture and this they would have struggled this year with kind of 12 weeks of really really dry weather and that would account for a lot of leaf loss which this tree has is about 50% of the leaves missing mm. from it um, now if the listener if Mary wanted maybe to bring a, just a, a portion of the stem 
uh, with with some leaf on it into the garden centre in Turlock. We'll have a look at it just to make sure. But it, okay. from a distance, it looks to me like it was a weeping willow or it is a weeping willow. And, and they certainly are suffering this year with the... Um, with the dryness. With the dryness, yeah, 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 with the dryness. Um, so, and, and okay. the, right around this is quite bare in terms of the lawn and that it looks it looks a dry area. But look, bring in a portion, just cut about six inches of the stem or a couple of stems and bring it in. Bring and it we'll in, have a look. Have a look. Great. You, yeah. Now, we're wondering, uh, can we move a Hebe shrub uh, once it's finished flowering? Well, the time to move it is once uh, it goes dormant which will be October, November so my advice is give it a light trim now so trim off the old flowers maybe four or five inches of of the stem and then transplant it so what that will do is kick it back into growth it'll produce nice new growth and a nice healthy growth and then lift it in October and transplant it at that time of year Okay and somebody else wondering about uh, pruning blackcurrant shrubs is that similar similar situation? Well no no, with with blackcurrants we we have again we mentioned this before that when you're picking the black currants, mm-hmm. that's the time to prune them. Okay. So when you have your bucket and you're picking the fruit, cut out those stems that you take the fruit out because you're pruning out the old stems and leave any new stems, any young stems, that's where the fruit will be born next year. So it's a great time to uh, to do it when you're actually picking the fruit and cut the entire stem right down to ground level. Now I have a common birch tree with leaves at the very top but none at the mm-hmm. bottom. Is there anything I can do or what might be causing this? Well, tr- trees will trees will drop their lower leaves at the expense of the new growth. So as as the tree, if it's only under any kind of form of stress, if it's hungry or it's very dry, it'll tend to lose those older leaves. That's the nature of any plant. It protects itself, putting all the energy into the new growth. Um, I would leave it alone at the moment. Come the winter, prune it back and birch trees respond to pruning really well and that pruning helps to encourage growth further back in the tree. So you can take a couple of feet off the tree if you want in November. Okay, great. Um, Now, something is eating uh, all the leaves off my green beans since I planted them outside and I don't know what to do. I did put eggshells around them but doesn't seem to have worked. What can I do, Well, the eggshells will... They're a preventative barrier for slugs and snails. Now, um, you know, that, that it would be interesting maybe to go out in the evening time and just see, have you got slugs and snails on the plants? It sounds a little bit like that. And mm-hmm. um, you can remember, use one of the organic treatments as well, which will, will control them. Um, but beans also suffer from other pests like aphids, which generally attack the new growth, but they'd be quite visible. Um, so if it's slugs and snails, use the organic treatments, like that, the organic pellets, you'll find them effective. Okay, super. Uh, is there a weed killer for Bishop's Weed? Well, you can use the bishop weed as ground elder, which which spreads across the ground. A perennial weed is a it's a terrible thing. Um, I would use the weed free three hundred and sixty, but just make sure that it, you apply it directly onto the bishop weed and not onto any other plant around it. Okay, hi. I took cuttings from St John's Wort, and they're growing in pots. Do I trim them back to make them bushy yes. as they're in flower now? Yeah, cut them back. Cut them back to within kind of four or five inches of the plant. So this is St John's Wort or Hypericum, lovely easy plant, and, mm-hmm. and a great time of year to take cuttings of the likes of those plants now in June fuchsias or hypericums or hydrangeas uh, but yeah trim them back thicken them up forget about the flowers for this year and build up a nice bushy plant Excellent. and such a simple plant to grow Okay uh, somebody wondering about where they can buy a large amount of peat moss uh, Kathleen uh, maybe contact your local garden centre yeah. I don't know what large yeah. amount means uh, there Is mulching good for a lawn or is it better to take away cuttings? Well uh, mulching is fine as long as you're doing it on a really regular basis as in, as in twice a week um, if you're
you're doing it once a week and you're leaving the mulching behind you, it's going to build up thatch. So I think you should alternate between, you know, maybe one week use the mulching blades, the following week collect the grass as well because it does, the dead grass tends to build up a, a, a layer of thatch. Okay. Um, as I'm laughing here at a question about potatoes. Um, uh, about two months ago, when I couldn't get any seed potatoes, I sowed 10 old sprouting potatoes I'd left over from the kitchen in an old bath. The stalks looked really healthy, or they look really healthy. The question is, though, are they likely to be quality potatoes and safe to eat? Yes, they are. They're going to be 100% safe. And that was one of the things we were advocating. I was saying that to people that if they had a few spuds left over, a few roosters or whatever from the, you know, the, in the bath, you know, they're always sprouting. And they the sprout, bag. yeah, when they're it's warm. Perfectly fine for planting. I mean, the difference basically when you buy certified seed potatoes in a garden centre, they're certified by the Department of Agriculture mm. to be f- disease and pest free and true to type so that you know you're buying a golden wonder. It's disease free and pest free. So you're starting with nice clean seed. But these will be perfectly fine. Enjoy them. Okay, good stuff. Now we have a picture of a lovely stone wall. Yes. Um, and the question is, what plants or flowers would you recommend to plant along an old stone wall? I have daffodil bulbs planted there. It's fair, quite a good size there. Yeah, and to describe to the listeners, you've got you've got a, a strip of grass mm. in front of the stone wall as well. Now the stone wall is beautiful. So you Gorgeous. Don't want, you don't want to be necessarily hiding that. I wouldn't be putting any climbers or creepers. I have a similar area at the front of my house it's, so this this is roughly about a metre wide maybe a little bit wider and it's a strip of grass with with a stone wall at the back of it I would get rid of the grass in this instance right. and I in, in, for mine I've planted um, things like the the Hebe I mentioned last week mm-hmm. Hebe avalanche I plant in clusters of fives I have a lovely planted flower at the moment a Celine a pink flowering Celine which looks absolutely gorgeous some of the dwarf hydrangeas would work here as well little lime or bobo would be ideal as well so low growing flowering plants that will give you colour kind of 12 months of the year depending on the selection you pick so <clears> if, <throat> if that was mine I'd get rid of the grass and actually plant it with really low-growing plants that wouldn't hide the wall, but would give lovely colour all along the wall. And the daffodils will still work perfectly fine. They'll come up through the plants in in springtime. Because that wall is pure craftsmanship. It's It's absolutely gorgeous. So it'd be a shame to hide it with anything that would be tall. So really, really low plants. Okay, what do we do with lupins that have finished flowering? The foliage looks a bit ragged. Cut them back. They've got a bit battered over the last couple of weeks. Trim the the old flowers, trim the old damaged stems, give them a feed, they'll kick back into growth again. And that you know, I'd advocate that it's a tidy up time in the garden. So, um, you know, trim anything that's got kind of tattered or battered and feed it and they'll kick back into growth again. OK, we have a picture in, Porik, for identification purposes. We were wondering, is it a weed uh, before we dig it up or what might that be? It's, uh, got, it's, got, uh, it's difficult to know. It's, yeah, it looks like verbascum, big, right. verbascum, which is a, a very broad leaf. It's kind of a uh, there'd be hair or downy uh, kind of a surface on the leaf of the flower, of the leaf, uh, the leaf itself, I should say. Mm-hmm. And verbascums come in different colours, um, in yellows and pinks and, and so on. So it looks from here and it's just on the point of flower so I'd leave it and let it flower. Okay. We're looking for suggestions for trees with a columnar shape. I think columnar beech would be too large to fill in a gap in a garden boundary. Okay. So you've got a, so a couple of plants that grow in, in, in um, columnar shape. So um, Carpinus fastigiata is the hornbeam. What? And okay. Fis- <laughs> fastigiata means upright. 
so it produces this lovely columnar shape it won't grow as tall as beech now beech is good as well because it's relatively slow growing it's going to take a long long time and particularly the uh, ornamental columnar beech uh, don't really grow to a huge size but the carpinus would be certainly one you could consider consider its hornbeam its fastigiata which grows that lovely upright shape green leaves in summer yellow in autumn really attractive plant maybe up, upright yew as well um, so the ordinary um, native Irish yew again it comes in a variety called fastigiata which is an upright shaped variety as well OK um, we have a picture of a Lalandii hedge Porrick uh, it's <laughs> is that pre- what it is? <laughs> It purports to be a Lalandii hedge, uh, so you can gather, listeners, it's not in great shape from uh, what we're looking at anyway. Uh, a lot of brown there, a small bit of green, uh, brown inside and outside. Do you think it'll come back is the question? No. No, right, that's grand. Uh, that's that answered, moving along. Uh, we've got a question about, I guess this is somebody who's might be new to gardening, sowing a lawn and, and rolling a lawn. Does it have to be rolled when the seeds are in? What's the recommendation okay, on rolling lawns? And it's, a, it's a very good question because this is the time of year in June and July that we sow lawns because the temperatures and, and weather conditions are ideal at the moment. So the, the procedure is make sure that you get rid, rid of any weeds or grass that are on the the soil first of all so eliminate those till the soil take out any stone or debris and make sure that you firm the soil back down again so that you leave a footprint but you won't sink in any area of the soil so it needs to be firm underfoot albeit that you will leave a footprint then it's ready for seeding before you seed it put in a pre-seeding fertilizer so again that osmo pro one that i mentioned would be perfect for that or park and fairway uh, fertilizer either of those two you put that on the day that you're going to seed it and then put on the lawn seed something like green velvet is good it's a nice dwarf hardy lawn give it a good rake and Uh, the time to roll it is just before you mow it. So allow the seed to germinate when it's about an inch Mm -hmm. or inch high and then put the roller across the lawn and that'll just firm down the seed before you actually cut it. So that's the the steps to sowing a good lawn. Okay, somebody was reading the other day that Epsom salts is good for roses. Is that right and how would you apply? Yeah, what do you think? I don't know, doubt it. What's Epsom salts good for? It makes things soft. It softens water, doesn't it? Uh, it's no. full of magnesium. Oh, it's magnesium. Magnesium, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean... <laughs> I was thinking of my feet. So, and it is. It's using the Epsom salt bath, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. And Sorry, if you are using it, you can use the what, the residue for on your plants. So, it's brilliant for tomatoes. Okay, great. It's it's a major or it's a minor element in, uh, in any fertiliser. So, magnesium is good for the greening of all plants. You can use it in roses, tomatoes, um, plants in general just to give them that lovely greening effect. Okay, but not, so in other words, it doesn't bring on the flowers. No. Yeah. That's great. No, that might no, be no, part, no, no. Of, the, part yeah. of the question. If yeah. You, yeah, if you're applying it, I suppose, do you just apply it into the ground or you apply it yeah, onto just, the leaves? Onto yeah. the leaf and onto yeah. the, f- the thing and the plant will absorb it. And, and for roses, <clears> you give them a lovely green yeah. sheen. Now, one of my potted hydrangeas started to show curled leaves and some leaves were drooping. I know they're well watered, but my worry is that I use too much liquid feed. Could this happen? Well, you could do. I mean, you, you could have over, you know, liquid feeds, if they're used uh, certainly too heavily, can cause um, burning or caustic kind of damaging on the plant which would describe the curled leaves. Look at just cut back on the, the, the feeding a little bit. Hydrangeas, the word actually means water vessel because oh, hydra, 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 hydra water, yeah, of course. Hydra. So hydra, hydrangea actually means um, water vessel, which tells you that hydrangeas need loads of water. Now, don't overwash them either. This rain will be brilliant for them. So look, at just leave it alone. Um, 
so they're saying it's potted hydrangeas so maybe plant it out into a bigger pot or into um, it might, might just need to be repotted out into the garden soil or into a larger pot as well generally hydrangeas this time of year in pots watering once a week is more than sufficient and feeding once a week is more than sufficient as well Brilliant now mm-hmm. here's an interesting one Porek over on the text I, re- I recently bought a field and there are tall white thorn bushes and ash trees everywhere I'd like to relocate these specimens but I'm told I might have a low success rate I realise this is not the time of year to move them but just wondering what Porek thinks of the idea of moving these trees Well it depends on the age of the plant yeah. as well and, and ash in particular Irish ash suffers from ash ash blight or ash disease it's a dieback of, of ash which is very common at the moment so my advice to you really would be to plant you'll buy them very very cheaply in autumn in November December and um, you'll buy a nice kind of metre high or even four feet high uh, both ash plants and um uh, white thorn white thorn or maybe some of the other native Irish trees to plant into the area you know moving big sp- uh, tall older plants you take a risk when you're moving them the time to move is in November when they're completely dormant um, if you have a large enough machine they will transplant but you know my advice really would be to plant some new plants okay great and native Irish uh, birch and birch and, and yeah keep it native keep yeah, it native hazel and, okay yeah. just one or two more before we finish up um, somebody's got pumpkin sown pork and there's uh, leaves but they're being eaten and wondering what that might be and what feed should she, should this person give uh, the a pumpkins? tomato feed and, and use it weekly on, on pumpkin, pumpkin, pumpkins, pumpkins at this time of year unless the damage on the leaves is significant I wouldn't bother okay. treating it to be honest you know, just keep it fed, keep it watered, a little bit of foliage damage on the pumpkins, unless they've been ravished altogether. And if it is, it can be caterpillars, it could be slugs, it could be snails, you know, it could be, and, and you can treat for that. But pumpkins are such a tough, robust plant, they're fine. A little bit of damage, don't panic. Yeah, it's, er- it's early, yeah. Yeah, for it's them, early it? and, and, yeah. I've old <clears throat> trumpet lilies that are planted two years. I have the green leaves, but no flower. Can you give me a suggestion, please? Well, look at, yeah, then the lilies, uh, many lilies, particularly the early entel type, are, this is probably the arum lilies. Um, mine have just actually come into flower in the last week. So, you know, don't worry yet. There's still plenty of time to flower. And it depends on how much they die back each year. Some arum lilies in a sheltered garden, you only die back about halfway and they tend mm. to flower early. So you're seeing them in everyone's garden. Mine have literally just come into flower this week, but some may not flower until July. So... You know, leave them alone. They do like uh, regular washing, so this rain is going to be very beneficial for them. They'll come into flower yet for you. Okay, and we're going to probably finish with this one from Mary uh, on the uh, WhatsApp. And Mary, I suppose, indicative of lots of listeners. We don't get to all of the questions every week, and we appreciate that. So, uh, this one has come in (laughs) a number of weeks and we never got to it. So, we'll get to it this morning. The question is, is it too late to sow peas and do they transplant well? They do. Yes, for both. So yes, yes now, to both, I had, Mary. I had a gentleman actually waiting for me a couple of mornings here on in, in, uh, in Saturday morning that couldn't grow peas. And he tried it in the soil and added, added that. So my advice to him was, get a bit of multi-purpose compost, sow the seed in pots or trays, cover them with cling film, they'll germinate in seven or eight days and you'll have a total success. And he was waiting for me last Saturday morning outside the show with to peas? Tell, would tell me how well they had grown. Oh, well, him. you see, or, isn't that lovely? Or you can also grow them in, in say, a little bit of guttering. You know, the ordinary Yeah, gutter, the, o- the old, yeah. The old gutters from the house, fill it with compost, sow the pea seeds, cut them with a bit of cling film and they'll germinate, no problem. But no problem whatsoever sowing peas, beans and vegetables in general. In general. Fantastic. 
And on that note, I'm afraid we have to leave it there. For for this for, for the this, moment. For the moment, and yeah. we'll be back. We'll be back in, in September, September again, September and October to do it all again. Look, if people can jump onto the website as well, Horkins.ie, and uh, for for any information. And you can always listen back as well. I mean, we've covered a huge amount of uh, topics over the last whatever twelve weeks or whatever it is, sixteen weeks. Um, so if you go onto the Midwest Radio uh, homepage, uh, follow the links there to the podcast. You'll get all of the programs as well, so you can listen back to them that way exactly okay happy holidays I do enjoy them (laughs) (laughs) thanks indeed Uh, okay just stand by coming your way next here on Midwest on the Saturday morning it's the very best in country Michael Neary along with country classics and also we have local news on its way Uh, that's it for me too for the moment until uh, the same time next week Uh, until then slong of all